Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast. We're on episode 78, Leadership Lessons, an interview with Melissa Hunt. Welcome to Intentional Leaders. This podcast is not just for leaders, rather for anyone who wants to make an impact on the world, professionally or personally. My passion and purpose is to provide tips, tools, and resources that I've learned throughout my career, working with large and small organizations, profit and non, and also as an entrepreneur. I've had the joy to teach thousands of individuals who, like you, are trying to navigate this crazy and complex world. So here's to doing that successfully and intentionally. I want to welcome Melissa Hunt to the Intentional Leaders podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Great to be here. It's great to have you. For our studio audience, Melissa is the Municipal Services Manager at Veerbicker and Associates, and she's been there a couple years. Uh, her background is in economic and community development, an interesting industry you're in and interesting background. And I know you're going to share a little bit about that with our audience. And then I also want to highlight a couple things of note about your leadership, particularly that you were named one of the 40 under 40 in Business Magazine 2022. Was it, yes. it was this year, correct? It was. Yeah, and, and I think you said you snuck it in right before your birthday. I did. They Good literally job. had the party. Uh, <laughs> I turned I turned 40 on March 10th and March 9th was the party. So Sweet. I, yeah. <laughs> you made it. Was my it. last shot. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Also this year, you were awarded the 2022 Andy Lisak Young Professionals Award from Wisconsin Economic Development Association. So congratulations on both of those things, Melissa. Thank you. I was honored. Let's talk a little bit about your leadership lessons. And today, I know we're going to highlight a little bit about communication, a little bit about decision making, growth mindset, and then also about your leadership, not just at work, but in life as well, which you have a passion for. So let's start out with communication. This is something that you and I have talked a fair amount of is understanding when to use your voice and when not to. Tell us a little bit about your experience and what you've learned around that from a leadership point of view. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. And we have talked a lot about it because I think it's still something I continue to process and learn and grow. And and you know me better than kind of others because we've been in a lot of meetings. But I think it's been a weird, cool, awesome, interesting path of how I've learned to earn my voice or speak my voice or what is my voice. And really in the life, when I kind of go back and I think of all my paths that I've taken in my career, and even now, it's probably going to continue to change. But that it's been one of those early on, I didn't know when to speak. And I'll dive into that a little bit. And then maybe I got a little too zealous and spoke too often. And now I'm still working on honing when that perfect time is. And maybe I even lean a little bit more towards speaking up more an airing on maybe I shouldn't have said that as opposed to keeping it in. And, you know, the adage of everyone in the room is probably thinking it. Someone just needs to say it. I've maybe taken that pretty literally that I'm always the one who (laughs) has to say it. And to digress for a moment, just on one of those kind of career paths, when you think of was it leaders have not always been the best at, was I lucky or was I at the right place at the right time? Or maybe I was just really good at what I did, but from that perspective, right. But we don't always own that. So I was fortunate for a lot of the positions I've had And I'd like to think I've earned them. Maybe every once in a while, I've also been in the right place at the right time. So early on in my career, there were a couple of times where I just, I had thoughts, ideas, and and I'll never forget. It was probably one of the most pivotal early in my career that my boss had said to me after a meeting, I, you know, I have another ideas. And I said, you know, I was reading this contract. I was the only woman in the room. There were all these huge community leaders, lawyers, bankers, 
everyone in the room on this committee. And I was on and I was like, I read the contract and I had some questions and here's a couple of things. And he goes, holy cow, how did no one catch that in the room? And moreover, why didn't you say something? And I thought I was really intimidated. I was young. You know, I think a lot of them thought of me as the younger sister and they guided me and helped me, but I wasn't necessarily looked at to weigh in. I was more there to learn and listen. And so I really took that one to heart, but he goes, man, you know, boy, could you have really made a mark with those people that were in the room at the time? And I can't believe half of them missed that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. <laughs> what an interesting perspective. And you probably thought too, I'm here to listen and learn. And, right. Um, but to be able to contribute at that level, it would have been interesting. Yeah. And I was fortunate that he actually then sent a follow-up email and said, hey, look what Melissa found and told them. So it was nice that I still got the recognition for it. And I think it really helped me in the future. He would even stop after that and say, is there anything you caught we need to know? Or so it was, it was pretty big, I think, for me. I, at the time, you know, I was I was young and I knew I didn't know everything and didn't know what I didn't know. And I think from a learning standpoint, I was maybe a little bit ahead of the curve, but it, it held me back. And so that moment was, was really a game changer. Yeah, it's really interesting to have a game changer like that, but also someone who helps you to change the game going forward then too, to help you feel like, yeah, we do want to hear your voice. We do want those questions. And they actually gave you credit for that as well. I mean, that says yeah. something about that person as a mentor and as a leader for you and a partner in a great way. Yeah, he was he was great. Like I said, he was like a good big brother. And, and now we get to work together. We're on the same boards and engaged in different activities. So it's kind of neat too, to see how things come full circle. Yeah, for sure. The evolution of our relationships is always a fascinating thing, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So then kind of pivoting off of that, it allowed me to speak my voice more. It opened up other opportunities as I move forward in my career. And then I think I got into that next phase of maybe I did open my mouth a little bit too much sometimes because like, oh, I got to ask this. I got to ask that. And I probably perfected at least for my own personality, <laughs> perfected yeah. the balance. And I think it'll always be a learning curve and a growing opportunity. And But then I, I really did have some good opportunities in the next, probably I'd say five years after that, because I was very early on. That was my first job. And, and after that, then to ask questions and not be afraid. And I wasn't afraid when I was in a room of people who were even like, ah, don't say that. You know, I remember I was in one meeting and people were like, ah, kind of giving me the hand wave and saying, no, no, no. And, and I asked the question and kind of came down to like, and it was to my boss and it was to a handful of superiors in a, a community in a county. And, and they were like, well, you know, Melissa, what's your point? And I was like, well, my point is we're doing all these things and I'm kind of questioning you. But like in the end, we got the outcome we wanted. So why are we still sitting here talking about it? They were like, oh, that's a good point. And everyone was like freaked out that I would kind of say that. Yeah. Again, that was kind of another pivotal moment of me thinking back to thank God I had this moment when I was younger. Oh boy, did I put my foot in my mouth or what am I learning? But I think that's been the other probably good part about from a communication standpoint for me is that I'm not afraid to ask some of those questions and I'm not afraid to get a little personal and say, well, what's the point? In the end, you got what you wanted. Yes, it didn't happen your way. And the truth of the matter is, is, it, you know, this was like a multidimensional learning moment for me, but even for the person I was speaking to, my boss at the time, like, but you can't do everything. You have to trust other people on the team and in the company and no, it wasn't the exact process you wanted, but it was like a great, a great moment in multiple ways for all of us. But it was another one of those times where I was like, whew, kind of neat to think of those points in my career where I'm like, man, should I have said that? Yeah. And I think what you are familiar and probably not everyone listening to this podcast is familiar with the four stages of psychological safety by um, Timothy Clark. And I've referenced that in some of my other podcasts. But 
what you're also demonstrating is not just using your voice, but challenge your safety, the safety and trying to create a safe space to challenge and ask those tough questions. And that's something that I definitely admire with you. We've had a chance to be in a lot of discussions and meetings, and you have the courage and the confidence to jump in to ask those tough questions, to say the things that are difficult to say that sometimes make people very uncomfortable. So it's not about comfort as much as clarity or focus or what is the right thing to do. And I think you do prompt those kinds of things with the questions and the comments that you make. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, and part of it is, I hope that when I do some of those things, I definitely make myself more vulnerable, but I hope other people see that maybe that's what you need to do to be more successful. And kind of one of my theories and practices, and apparently my mom and some of her friends and my dad have said, you've been like that since you were a kid, which... Oh, "Oh, interesting, really? (laughs) But they said, you've always kind of just asked questions or asked for the truth or asked for the answers. Or I was kind of laughing because I remember one of the parents and some of my mom's friends were talking one day and the one lady was like, Melissa, you called the superintendent's office to just figure out why all these things were being said in the news or the media or whatever it was. And I was like, I did? And she was like, yeah, I was so happy because he like responded to you, you know? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, so I guess I didn't realize that that's kind of always who I've been. I like to think I've I've grown into it a little bit. But, you know, some of that probably stems from my foundation and my family and the fact that we are open and vulnerable and truthful. And sometimes it's like the opposite for me. Maybe I'm too honest, too truthful. And it's weird and interesting to me that so many people aren't. So I'm kind of just like, if we just lay it all out there and throw it out there and yeah, you may not want to hear it. I may not want to hear it. It may make someone uncomfortable. It may not necessarily will always be politically correct or socially correct or whatever it is, but we just need to get it out there. That has been a huge, probably weakness and strength sometimes for me. I think finding your voice for all of us is difficult. And especially when we're earlier in our career, when we're new to a team, we have to kind of think about, okay, how do I share my voice? When do I speak up? When do I not? When do I find that balance? So based on your journey so far, if you had to give people a couple pointers about that, When do you jump in? When do you not? Because you said, you know, you've kind of done it both ways. What would be the two tips that you would give to people? First one would be, don't necessarily be afraid of who's in the room, but know who's in the room or know your audience. Make sure it is mildly safe situation. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because I probably put myself out there maybe more than I should sometimes. But it's because I I at least kind of read the room or thought about who's there and, and then what the bigger ramifications might be like in the end. There's things I've said times and places that may end up getting me kicked out or yeah. <laughs> may not make people happy. But the thought then behind it is, does it matter? Do you really want to be in that place anymore if those mm. people don't accept who you are or don't accept your opinion or your thoughts or your ideas? So that's probably been huge for me personally in work kind of all around, except me and my thoughts and ideas for who I am and what they bring to the table. And if you can't assume positive intent or get there, maybe that's a place I don't need to be anyway. That's probably the biggest, biggest tip. And then it's I think too would just be genuine, be yourself. Sometimes we spend so much time skirting around and then maybe it's easier for me to say as, you know, a woman who's an out lesbian who who has all these other things that probably sometimes could put me in a box or a category. Don't be afraid of who it is because you're not going to change some of those things. And yeah. and even embracing my personality has probably been, do I want to change who I am or should I change from who I am? Or maybe it's not always the best thing, but try to mold it into a positive form because Maybe there's places you shouldn't be. Maybe there's places you should find and figuring out what the balance of that is. Yeah. It reminds me of so much of the Brene Brown philosophy about the importance of authenticity, because as you said, if we have to shift who we are in order to fit in, then what are we doing? 
you know, how are we living our life? How intentional? How deliberate are we? And I think back to times where I did that same thing, felt the need to fit in in a certain way. And so then you act in those ways or you say certain things that allow you that sense of fitting in rather than the authenticity that I think would have been helpful and would have served yeah. me better as well. Well, it's funny you brought up Brene Brown. And, I mean, you've suggested a handful of books and we've read a few of the similar books. And what I think is funny is that like, I mean, psychological safety, I have my notes, but I never remember the right terms. But when, when you bring it up, or I remember like I've read, you know, three of Brene Brown's books and, and the psychological yeah. safety book I still refer to all the time and have my little tabs in there and, and a handful of other books. And it's, so it's kind of funny too, that I think I've spent enough time also looking into sort of embracing what is maybe my strength. That's probably been really helpful in, in understanding who I am. And for a while, I read religion books to just because I thought I speak a lot about this, or I talk about it, or we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, or other things. And maybe I should just understand some other religions. I was raised Catholic. And so I, I like to joke with my wife and, and some of my family a lot, like, I'm working on my levels of enlightenment. And so what are the stages to get there? And, and again, I don't totally understand it because you know, I read enough to be dangerous, but those are the things. And I will say you've made some awesome recommendations, but it is funny kind of when you bring that up and I'm like, oh yeah, that is where I read that. That's why yeah. I feel like Those are notes I took. Well, and it kind of connects to something that you and I have talked a lot about, which is your love of learning. And again, one of the things that I appreciate so much about you is your openness to those other ideas. Because when you think about yourself and how you're showing up, I think at the same time, you're very open to being cognizant of, am I being authentic? Also accomplishing what I need to accomplish and want to accomplish. And the same with your level of knowledge, like you're open. Yeah, I was raised Catholic and I'm going to also explore these other religious beliefs and I'm going to kind of press on what I know and how I think about that. So I love that level of open-mindedness that you demonstrate. Thanks. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just that weird balance of like, and, and obviously I'm a feminist too. And so I think of some of the things where you hear like, you know, it took one, one woman or one person to make a change or, yeah. and we can name how many famous women that made changes or spark. And when you think of the grander scheme and I've done some of that research, it's like, Henry, just a little speck in the grand yeah. scheme of it all. But I'm like, man, I want to be that speck that, that yeah. makes a difference or leaves my mark <laughs> or not the one that can just be wiped away. Okay. So let's transition from communication. Appreciate you really trying to share some ideas about when, and how you've come to share your voice in an authentic way. Let's talk a little bit about decision making, because this is something you've talked a lot about too, as a leader is such an important role that you play. And a little bit about what you've learned in terms of how to make decisions or when, what insights do you have for us? What's interesting to me is sort of that spectrum of black and white and then the gray in the middle. Sometimes I like to make it as simple as it's yes or no, and it's black or white or whatever. And there's other times where that does matter. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of times where the gray and in the middle of how you got there does or doesn't matter. And so I think as I think through kind of my decision makings and, and how I see things, I do like to see different perspectives. I like to think of be my own devil's advocate. And then, you know, that fine balance of going with your gut, like if it doesn't feel right, how do you put all those pieces together? And then probably the biggest piece of it all is like, what is the worst case scenario? So the, the worst mm -hmm. case scenario is I was wrong, which... <laughs> You know, I don't know if my wife would tell you I'm always <laughs> embracing that. But right. so if I do make a bad decision, like it's going to happen sometimes, right? I, you know, no one bats a thousand. And really nine times out of 10, thank goodness I'm not a, a brain surgeon or something where a decision could be life ending for somebody. I, oh, I'm not. Sure. So sure. yes, could it make a big impact or a big decision? Sure. And, and do I feel like I make my mark and do important things? Yes. But in the end, if something goes wrong, we can probably fix it. And if we can't fix it, we're going to figure out why we did it wrong, hopefully learn from it even more and move on. So I think there's a lot more probably that matters in some of the gray and how you get to places or how you fix it if you are wrong. But if it's as simple as making a decision, you know, we're 
judgment calls and going with your gut. It's it's been an interesting process for me to kind of understand like what's the worst thing could happen, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and think about that or be the devil's advocate or you know how does it get there? And sometimes you are going to hurt people's feelings. Sure. And I'm super emotional and a feeler, and and so when I think of some of those things, one friend it's her thing, and she'll laugh if she listens to this. She like has all of our friend group mapped out, and even my family. And, oh, really? and she's like, "Oh, you're an ENFJ, and you're you're a feeler." And so sometimes when I do things, you know, they'll say you should really call Christy and ask her because she gives you a good perspective. Um, so I've done a little more research into that, but it is interesting. Like that's my personality, right? So that yeah. is why I am the way I am, and it's cool to be able to think back and say, "Well, that's probably why I did it." And no, or even better to have that sounding board. Um, yeah, and of course. that's another piece of the leadership is knowing you have the right people to surround yourself with. I think that's, yeah. I mean, I'm grateful I have you, Cindy, and, and so many other people that you can call out Christy or, you know, so many other friends and family, even more important women leaders who I feel like maybe are in some of the same situations I'm in where they are sometimes the only woman in the room or have understood what it's like to get there and to get places that haven't always been the easiest or the most common path. Yeah. For sure. But knowing that I have those places to bounce those ideas off of and someone who can tell me, all right, well, that's just terrible or that's right? great. Or, you know, keep going. That totally sucks. Yeah. Well, you said a couple things that really jumped out to me. And one of them is that you like to see things from different perspectives and you are your own devil's advocate. So starting even there, I'm reading this really interesting book right now about leadership mind traps. And one of the mind traps is our own sense of right, that we tend to think we're right. And the more we tend to think we're right, we're probably not. So what I love about what you just said is you don't assume right away, I'm right. You assume like maybe I'm not right, but I'm going to press on this. And then also, I think what was important about what you said is you're willing to go out and get other people's perspectives about it. You're willing to ask those questions and, and have that support group. And I think what's interesting about that is a lot of leaders think, I'm the leader. I'm supposed to make the decision. Why don't I know it? And they see it almost as a form of weakness to go ask people for help. Yeah. But you're actively doing that. Well, and it's interesting because in the end, I, I use family life for my kids and how we functioned. When you think of the decision you make does impact others. So why wouldn't you ask for other people's opinions? And maybe yeah. you're going to get bad ones, right? But yeah, no sure. matter what we do in life, you know, if I'm changing lanes, I got to check for the cars next to me on the highway. Or if right. I'm like, you tell the kids like long term. You know, my kids complain all the time because I make them eat organic. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like when we were kids, we didn't have this. We had a lot of stuff out of boxes because it was like exciting. Like this new stuff came out. Yeah. We never had it. And I was even telling them like, you know, you couldn't get watermelon year round. And, and they didn't right. have cherries all the time. And they were like, what are you talking about? And they couldn't <laughs> understand this. But like now I make these decisions and sometimes they're super long term. Like I'm thinking I'm buying you organic food now. God knows, you know, we hear about cancers and all these oh, other things. Sure, like sure. if I'm making better choices, think about like there's so many like simple things we do in life. But how do you explain what are the ramifications or the impacts. Yeah. And that's where I like to, you know, devil's advocate too. I had a coworker that I used to love because he was always the devil's advocate. And then I like could never figure him out. I'm like, what side is he on? Right. <laughs> and he used to argue about like, anything. <laughs> well, he did. And he was always like, no, I always just like to bring up all the points. And he's like, I do have a hard time making decisions sometimes. He's like, because I bring them all up and we used to laugh about it. But that's when I thought to myself, we well, do need to think about a lot of people feel differently. A lot of people don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and so finding that balance between those who do care and those who don't care and, yeah. and probably what's in the best interest. I've been doing some research on looking at what companies use, you know, bigger companies, Google, Amazon, and like, what are their strategies and, and some of their vision and mission and values. And as we at Veerbicker look at how we grow the company or what it means. And one of the ones that kind of made me laugh when you were just talking about the book you're reading is one of Amazon's principles is leaders are right. And so it's been weird to kind of see that in Google and in all different yeah. companies where you like yeah. to think of like, how did they grow or get big or even Epic here and, and you know, what Judy did with six people in a garage or 
think of those stories and it's that fine balance of people really being true to themselves yeah. uh, and genuine and authentic and thinking about all the different sides. And I, I like to think, hopefully those are the things I look at and process and see as I, as I go through my decision-making and, and realizing that there's always room to grow and opportunities and things are going to change, but how do you make what you need to happen today? And, and hopefully have done okay to move on and go on to the next. Absolutely. Well, and you also said something that I want to circle back to because I think this is an important piece is you said, you asked the question, what if I'm wrong? But then if you do feel like you're wrong, you fix it and you learn and you move on. Sometimes what I see people do is don't move on. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I made a mistake. I can't believe I I made the wrong decision because typically we find out that we made the wrong decision only when we have more insider information. Right. Like, yep. okay, so I yeah. learned this. Oh, I didn't make the best choice. But then we beat ourselves up for the choice that was made when we didn't have all the information that we now do. So it's kind of that hindsight bias, like, well, I should have done this. How do you move on and learn from things rather than beating yourself up for them? Yeah, I think it's maybe taken me a little bit. I was raised Catholic. So I mean, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. I mean, you know, there's know. some of that fear in God or whatever else it was that was instilled in me. But I think I've gotten pretty darn good at, I used to coach softball for a while. And so, yeah, and basketball actually, and I'd yell at the kids like a duck. You know, that the next play is coming, right? The, we yeah. need, there's three outs in half of an inning. So there's not, that's not even a whole inning. And we've got seven, six, depending on how old they are, nine innings in a game. And so it's like, man, when you start doing the math on, that's a lot of people doing right things at the right time. I love sports analogies. When I think of baseball, so you think, right, let's just go with nine innings. And if my math is right, you know, there's that's six outs, three for each team. That's nine times six. That's 54 outs. Is my math right? <laughs> in, a, in a game, right? I don't do math, Melissa. <laughs> but that's, that's 54 outs in a game, right? So there's 54 opportunities. Let's just yeah. stick to baseball to make a mistake. It's going to happen, right? And yeah. no one's perfect 100% of the time. And so... I go back to the like a duck. So it's, you got to shake it off because, you know, so you didn't get that out or you didn't catch that ball or get the ground or make your hit or whatever it is. But there's, there's a lot more opportunities, one, to do it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and two, to, to get out of that inning or get out of that half of the inning. And so right. I think that's taken a lot for me. Um, I will say sports in my life has been a huge impact because yeah. you have to move on because there is another game and there is another championship. And, and as I'm starting to get older here, there's also going to be a day where I probably can't necessarily do everything I could do or move up and down the court like I used to. And so it's been a very interesting process for me to think through. You got to shake it off. You got to move on to the next. So I think what I've also learned to embrace is there are times where you got to apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, a, a fine yeah. balance, you know, as the insurance companies always tell you, never say I'm sorry. You never say it was your fault. But, yeah. you know, it is. Own it. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. But the bigger piece to that, I think, has been not only for me to move on, to be able to move on and realize you're probably not going to make that mistake or you're not going to make it as bad again, but also recognize I can't control the people around me to embrace it and embrace my I'm sorry or oh, accept it yeah. or, or take it in. That's been an interesting, you know, some people hold on to things longer. Some people aren't are a lot more enlightened than me. Some people aren't as enlightened <laughs> as me. And so there's a weird, I can control what I can control and how I can impact things and moreover, how I can react. Sure. So you yeah. kind of work through those pieces and, and you are going to be wrong. I mean, there's as much as I'd like to think I'm pretty good. I'm not batting a thousand. And yeah, it's really fun to hear how you're thinking about it. Like how many more things do we as human beings, but also as leaders or as mothers or whatever do right 
relative to the things that we do wrong or the mistakes we make? And how small is that number of mistakes relative to all the things that we've done right? And how we tend to focus on those negative things, right? And and make them bigger as if they mean something about us. So I think that's a really wonderful way to reframe it. Thank you. Which also feeds into the next thing I really wanted to get your lessons learned on is your growth mindset. You really focus a lot, Melissa, on learning and development as witnessed by, now I'm going to read all these books on religion and I'm going to dive into Brene Brown. You sent me The Wolfpack, um, that book, which I loved. So how has that shaped your leadership and how do you find time to learn? Uh, that I say is harder. Uh, I've joked with a couple people in the past that, you know, there's a fine balance in your mental health and well-being to getting enough sleep. And I probably haven't been that great about that because I'm so passionate about so many things. Squeezing it in. The one thing I haven't gotten into, which I wish I would have, we've done a little bit of, are more audiobooks. Oh, sure. Podcasts I've done, you know, some of that stuff. Um, but I do think it's been an interesting balance to squeeze in the time. Read on vacation. Some people take a break to get away, and I'm like, oh, we're going to finally get to that book I, I wanted. Kind of force myself into it. It's probably reading and learning, and just even your own experiences. You know, I'm a super social person, so sure. hearing about other people's experiences, learning anytime you can. And again, some of it goes back to that. I was really impacted by Buddhism and enlightenment and mm-hmm. some of those different things where you just learn it's, you know, taking everything in as an opportunity to yeah. learn or grow yeah. and know that you're going to change. And some things you used to firmly believe in, you may not believe in anymore. And times change and people change and your life situation changes. And, and so many different things can change on a daily basis that you always have to be ready to grow, modify, change things up and kind of understand how that can impact you and then looking into it. So I do read, I like to read quite a bit. I like to hear other people's thoughts and opinions on things and why. I think that's been interesting for me to just get selfishly. A lot of the things I do are because I'm a woman or I'm a lesbian or I have kids or my mom and dad do this or my nephews are into this or my family or my sisters, you know, an educator, you know, so all the things are based on things that impact me. So maybe it's somewhat selfish on how I learn or what I do or why I dive into things. But then to hear different perspectives and opinions, because there is that small speck that I am of all the other specks that are out like, how do they feel? And if we do run into each other or collide, it's been interesting for me to just think about, you know, all the things that are important to me, what's around me. And as I change and grow, understanding those different perspectives, kind of back to that, you know, same things we talked about, even in decision-making of why do you feel this way or think about it? And so I learn a lot from others and just, you know, kind of putting those pieces together and the one thing I can go back to some of our work and what we do, like you think of what yeah. sustainability was 10 years ago, right? Oh, this, sure. Maybe even 15, this buzzword that oh, everybody yeah. used. And now when we kind of think about small changes we've made in business and community and economic development, and even, you know, my team now in, in civil engineering and planning and the work that we do, some of those things and changes that we've done over 10 to 15 to 20 years now is just like a standard practice. Oh, but people sure. still use yeah. the word sustainable, right? We recycle now, right? Like we yeah. <laughs> do certain things. We try not to just chop down trees everywhere. And when we put a road in, we're cognizant of animals that live places. Or sure, when we site sure. develop, we think about all those other things. So it's kind of funny when you think of take sustainability as an example of what that's meant over the last 15, 20 years. And then I think of me as a person. So man, what have I done over the last 15 to 20 years? And there were things that were important to me. I just adapted and yeah. made those changes. And now I'm better. And I hope from that growth mindset perspective and stuff that you talk 
talk about a lot or, or we talk about in some of the groups is that I need to adapt and change, yeah. fit into the spec that I am in the environment I am yeah. in the place that I want to be and put my own little print on it. So yeah. that environment or place that I spend my time, energy and effort also is comfortable and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's a lot of discomfort in growth and change and there's yeah. that fine balance between embracing it and making it your own and learning from it and potentially knowing it's going to happen again. Yeah, for sure. And so many people want to avoid that discomfort by being stable and predictable and saying, this is who I am right now and I'm going to be that way forever. Yeah, <laughs> That's the opposite. You know, that's the opposite of a growth mindset. It's kind of like, this is who I am. I am who I am. And uh, I label myself and all those kinds of things. But I think what is fascinating about what you just said is you said, I sometimes I feel very selfish, but it's really selfless. Don't you think? I mean, for you to I go through so. life feeling <laughs> I like, I, I mean, <laughs> but isn't that it's a different way to think about it. You being selfish would be like, I'm hoarding all this information for my own power and use as opposed to I'm learning all this. So so that I can impact my corner of the world. I'm going to be my spec, but I'm going to be the best spec I can be. And I'm going to have, you just said, in my own life and the way I want to navigate through it, I want to be the best I can be. And you know that means evolving and continuing to change. Yeah. What a way yeah. to honor yourself. Oh, well, thank you. And I think it's hard. I, sometimes I struggle and people are like, you know, I'm like, I have a bad day too. But like for me, a bad day is maybe 90%. Like, yeah. But I think yeah. the way I function is like, if I'm in, I'm in. We're at 125%. Sure. There's no point in being here if you're not going to give your all or give your effort or be open and honest. And so I think sometimes that backfires, right? Maybe there's times you just need to sit and listen. And, right. <laughs> and I laughed because I was in a meeting. Someone was like, you're so unpredictable. We just never know what you're going to say. And someone else was like, she's so predictable because we know she's going to say something. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> well, a, the content could change, but yeah. the, the, the voice will be heard. Yeah. Well, they're like, and you just say what you think and feel in the moment. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes most of the time I like to think that's a good thing because there's yeah. So many things that go unsaid. And if we're just open and honest, you know, I, I like to be cognizant of other people's in going back to some of that, like Myers Briggs or thinking and feeling. And, sure. and there's a very weird, interesting, some of it's a dichotomy and some of it's, it's actually more relevant and closely related, or sometimes we're more alike than we are different. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your passions outside of work, because I mentioned at the onset of this podcast, you provide leadership in all aspects of your life for the things that you are most passionate about, the things that you want to influence, the difference you want to make. So when I think about Melissa, I think about leadership bigger than what you're doing at work, but what you're doing in life. So talk about that passion and what are the things that are most important to you and why? Thank you. Well, and again, again, it goes back to that. I'm going to say it again, where I almost feel like sometimes for me, it's selfish. I want to be able to speak my mind and have my opinions in wherever I am. I'm a firm believer in talking the talk, which I'm pretty good at. You probably ask <laughs> most of my friends and family and probably some people who don't care for me, yeah. but I'm a firm believer in then walking the walk. And so I think okay. I'm super active, involved in a lot of stuff because I want to continue to make that mark or give my two cents or sometimes my $2. <laughs> yeah, and inflation. So I'm very involved for many years. Oh, and I'll kind of jump back. So in college, I went to UW Oshkosh, um, Hail mm -hmm. Titans. Uh, so I'm still involved in the alumni board there. Try to be involved at the university. We created a mentor program and involved in the LGBTQ community up there. And I know there's a lot more on the plus LGBTQIA2 S plus. I don't want to leave anyone out. And so that's been a big part of me. I think when I was younger, I had a lot of coaches and, and experiences in sport. My dad was my coach. And so I, I like to coach and engage in different sports activities and volunteer for 
for some of the programs around here that may help, especially young women in sports, where I think you can learn your voice or earn your voice and learn to be stronger and stand up for yourself. So I do a lot of that. And then I'm fortunate that in my relationship, I, I got two kids along with my, my marriage. And yeah. um, so I'm on the PTO and involved in the activities at school. Involved in an LGBTQIA 2S plus community, the New Harvest Foundation here in the, the Madison area that we're actually trying to grow throughout Wisconsin to support communities that are underserved, you know, youth, seniors, people who maybe don't have enough people speaking up for them. How can we speak for them? So yeah, my wife probably tell you it's annoying, but probably well, every night of the week I got something I like and I like to get out there and play ball a little bit. You know, I, I reach out to my legislators. Uh, I like nice. to kind of stay active in some of that. Some of them are probably like, we just ignore her emails or phone calls when she leaves them. And half the time, it's probably when I'm leaving some other event at like nine o'clock at night that I'm leaving it on one of the office recordings or sending an email in, in one of the links. And so into summarize, I, I do a lot of that stuff, but I think it's because I like to make sure I feel like I'm being heard or at least I'm saying something. Or if I want to be a whiner and a complainer every once in a while, I at least walk the walk to maybe earn yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes. You mentioned that too, the alignment of if you have a perspective, then you should be doing something about it. So the fact that you do call your legislators, that you do get involved in politics and the school and your broader community and underserved and misrepresented audiences, you don't just complain about that. You get in it. You are active in it and you then have a voice and try to create change. Yeah, I will say, and I probably lose it a little bit when some people kind of complain and I look at them, I'm like, so what have you done about it? Yeah. Now when they look at me, what have you done? I'm like, you get a pen. <laughs> right. Let me tell you. Let me, Let tell, me tell you, you what I'm Because it's kind of hard. I'm like, there are so many things we don't necessarily have control of, or well, sure. we at least could make a mark or an impact on it. And maybe it is as simple as your voice or, you know, calling when I was a kid, apparently the superintendent's office. I, know, I just question. love that story. I but it's, it's one of those where people then complain. And sometimes my response is after I've heard enough of it. And, and again, I hang out a lot of places. I'm with my kids sports and I play and like to get out and have fun. And yeah. when they say something I'm like, what have you done? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know what you seem annoyed by this. What have you done? Have you gone to a council meeting at the city or have you ever gone to plan commission? And I'm probably also fortunate and nerd that some some of that stuff is part of my career and you know right you so know, I know where to right? go like, right yeah i know where to go yeah which is and important. if i don't i know who to ask exactly <laughs> and then i'm like because i kind of feel like yeah you can complain but what what i want is for i mean i think of when my nephews were born it was kind of a game changer for me and i got these are like the little people that mean a ton to me but this yeah. is the world we're leaving them i gotta do whatever i can to make sure it's a better place for them and now that i have kids of my own and even just the kids i used to coach or anything else sure I don't know. I hope all this was for not. So we got to make sure there's something after right, us. Right. <laughs> well, you want to leave behind, again, you're that little speck in the universe, but you want to leave it in a better place for all the other specks in the universe too. I think that's kind of the theme in knowing you and working with you and just hearing you share your perspectives today. It is about leaving the place a better place than when you entered in. Because I think you're, you try to do that in relationships. You try to do that in groups. You try to do that with all the things that you're trying to provide leadership. And you and I had coffee a while back and you said, let's do a, a women's leadership group, senior people that don't have a place to go. And I'm like, that's just one more thing. <laughs> you Right, we still have, have to do that. That's yeah, still I know. I'm, I'm totally, I'm, to, 
Well, as I told you, I'm totally in. So well, uh, I would love to do that. And it's just one more thing that you have a great passion for. So I think you see needs and opportunities and like, hey, I can do something about that. I can add to the meaningful dialogue and that that matters. I think that's fantastic. You and I are dog people. And so yes. <laughs> I even think of people who are like, are you obsessed with your dog? God rest his soul. He left us a few months back. But yeah. you know, and I'm like, no, but my job here, I got a dog, right? I got a responsibility. Why wouldn't I make this little space that he has the best space in the entire world? And, yeah, yeah. You know, and dogs probably and cats are a lot more like people. I'm a dog person, but I, I and I'm yeah. allergic to cats, but I have nothing against them. But you know, when you think of there's this weird, fine balance of, and I met your dog recently, yeah. of giving animals their space, right? But giving yeah. them a safe environment. Yes. If we all treated our teammates at work or our, oh. you know, in the community or half as nice as we treated our pet and gave them and respected their space when they needed yeah. it and embraced them and hugged them and cuddled them when we were having a bad day and when they weren't. If we did some of those things and we acted that way, and, and maybe that's how I kind of think of life sometimes too, is just why wouldn't you make it the best you can and embrace every opportunity? And, and don't get me wrong, I have bad days. I can be a real pain in the butt. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear through this, Cindy, if you've noticed. I've, I think I've done a, You know me, and I've done like a really good job of like so crap. So- <laughs> But I, I'm not perfect. And so I hope that, you know, in some of those moments or where I joke that I give 125%, I hope I'm making up for those moments where I wasn't. Yeah. And that's kind of how I move through life. If you think ahead, maybe in, in summary of all this, right? So I, I'm looking now, what do my next 40 look like? Yeah. And so if I think of the stuff I didn't have access to, the organic foods, the, the books, the podcasts, but you think of then what does that mean? Growth mindset. I mean, man, the list is long, right? There's... Yes. <laughs> I don't know what's next all the time and I definitely don't know, but things are going to change and I'm going to have to change or grow or eat or get eaten. There you go. And And it's going to be eating organic. But as you think about now, so the last 40 years and and what that's meant to me Mm -hmm. and the changes we've seen. So can you just imagine what the next 40 years looks like? So it's kind of cool and interesting and fun and scary. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things are going to change and happen and we need to roll with the punches. Yeah, for sure. And as you said, too, there's, I think, a lot of joy in the learning and the growth and the change, but there's also a lot of discomfort. And I think that's the actual word to use is discomfort of not knowing because we as human beings like certainty. And when we have it and we think, oh my gosh, what am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to change? Even the next five years, the next 10 years, professionally, that's a lot, much less in life, right? What's going to be next? You can kind of choose if you're going to take a positive approach or a negative approach. And people are different, right? We all have different personalities and things that make us, yeah, I can be pissed that this happened today or this is how the world is. And I can make my effort to make a mark, but I can also think of this as an opportunity, whether it's a good or a bad one, it's still to take some sort of positive effort and approach in, you know, how it all balances. Oh, Melissa. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I do know what your schedule's like. I do know how busy you are and all the things that you're involved in. And so to invest the time here this afternoon with me and sharing your leadership lessons, I really appreciate. And I know other people that are listening to this will as well. Well, thank you. I love that you do these and I've watched some of your videos and listened to all of your podcasts and I enjoy them and and hope that if someone listens, they get a little something out of it. And so I was glad to be here. And, you know, now we got our list we leave with today too. And absolutely (laughs) all the other things to do thereafter. But yes, thank you so much for, for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Isn't she awesome? I hope you enjoy these interviews as much as I enjoy doing them. It is so fun to hear the lessons that people have learned throughout their careers. And Melissa, man, what a whirlwind. She is a force. She makes me want to go out and change the world. How about you? 